Okay, Shalom Aleichem. We're going to go back at it. I'm sorry we missed last week. This Pashat wasn't uh, of the best of health. You can still hear from my voice. I'm sure it's going to get worse as we go on. That I'm not totally there yet. But uh, we can't push it off forever. So let's get started. We left off with Yitzit the Kavasa Kamemayit. That the Gemara wanted to go ahead and exclude a different form of Yitzit. The same way there's Yitzit of an Ivriyam or Shusa Odin. And there, the Torah has to say explicitly that the Adam doesn't get money when she leaves prematurely. So there's a different type of Yitzhiyah, which is comparable. That comparable Yitzhiyah is the Yitzhiyah of a daughter from the auspices of her father. There, in that Yitzhiyah, we're being mimaited, we're excluding it from the Din Ame Ivriya. The Din Ame Ivriya is that there's a leaving from the shoes of the Adam without payment. So excluding it and saying that there is a payment when she leaves this master. And who's that pastor? Who's that payment go to? That payment goes to the father. That's what we left off last week. Now, yes, the How can you go ahead and compare the Yitzhiya of Amivriya to the Yitzhiya of a daughter from the Shusa'av? They're not comparable. Why not? In the case of an Amivriya, she totally leaves the auspices. Of the of her master, he has no connection to her whatsoever. But here, the girl is still lacking. She's not totally out of the domain of her father, and since she's totally not out of the domain of her father, because at least in regards to Maisiadayim and Yerusha, the father still has the rights to her Maisiadayim, and he still inherits her even after Kedushin, until she goes to Chuppah. So there's not a complete leaving from his dominion. If there's not a complete leaving from his dominion, how can we compare the two? The answer is the Gemara, you're granted, it's true what you're saying is right, but when it comes to a normal devouz, at least, there she left the dominion of her father. How do we know? The Tzana was told in the Mishnah, when it comes to a betrothed girl, her father and her husband can go ahead and know the vows together. Meaning to say as follows, before she was completely in the domain of her father. And her father, you know, on his own, could annul her vows. But now that she got betrothed, she was Mekodesh's to someone else. So the father lost his ability to annul her vows on, her, on his own. He can't do it. So since she left as her shilts in regards to annulling her vows, that leaving of her shilts suffices to make a comparison between the leaving of the shilts of Anama Ivriya for Master, and that's the basis of the comparison of the Gemara. Now let's see Rashi together. It says Rashi, they're not comparable. Yitzhiyas Iris and Yitzhiyas Amal. When a girl leaves her father's domain because of marriage, as opposed to the leaving of the shilts of her Master when she's Anama Ivriya, how can you say that? They're coming to exclude then Yitzhiya Seirisen from the Din of Ame Ivriya when it comes to the Vyatsachinam. Halav de Kavasahi. It's not comparable. Why? She doesn't leave the domain of her father. Kwa the Maisiadaim or the Yerusha until she goes to Chopa. Says Rashi, but first, I don't know if you say. She leaves his domain in regards to his Rishul. You can't uh, annul her vows on his own. 
So Rashi, why does Rashi add this word Lavadal? So Rashi is coming along and he's pretty much asking a question. The question is an implicit question here. That very good, the father used to annul her vows. But even now, he still can annul her vows, at least partially. So how could you say there's a Yitzila Gamri from the Rishos Ha'av when he marries her off? So very good, he can't annul them on, her own, on, on his own, but, but he could still, he's, he's a necessary ingredient in annulling her vows. He's not out of that picture. So how is that comparable to Amevriya? So Rashi says, no. It says, He can't do it on his own. So there it seems like there's two, there's a different schus. There's the ability to do something on your own. You being a lone ranger, a maverick, being able to do whatever you want. Losing that schus and having having now a joint schus, that's something which is a new reality. That's not something which is no comparable to your dominion that you had before. And therefore, that's considered like a Yitzim Rishos. Mela were able to make this to be what Vyatsachinam is coming to exclude. So yes, the Gamoral This is what Vyatsachinam is coming to teach me. We need it as it taught me in the following Braisa. The Tanevyatsachinam that she goes out free. When is that? Elu Yemei Bagros. That's teaching me she goes out free in Yemei Bagros. Ain Kesef. Now, what's the continuation of the Pasuk tell me? In Kasef. Eli Yemei Nairus. It tells me that even in Yemei Nairus, she also goes free without Kasef. So therefore, we see that we need the Pasuk of Yatsachinam and the Pasuk of In Kasef to teach me two different things. It's teaching me she goes free Yemei Bagrus, and it's teaching me she also goes free Yemei Nairus. So how come we can make a third Russia then that tells me that In Kasef the other Zeva Yish Kasef the other Nacher? So Ravina, Ravina answers the question, Now, I'm just going to put out a forewarning. The Gemara here is going to make a drasha based off the fact that the word Ein is written with a Yud in the Chumash. There's no money, is written with a Yud. The Gemara is proposing here that the word Ein is able to be written without a Yud. Aleph Nun. Now, the word Aleph Nun According to this proposition of the Gemara, for sure, certainly is the word Ein. How the Gemara is assuming that, where's that coming from, we're going to discuss. I brought you a I brought you a But, for our sake, when we're reading the Gemara, just to make it so that we understand what we're talking about, when there's no Yud, I'm going to read the word as the word An, like with a, with a Patach. And when there is a Yud, I'm going to read Ein, with a Tzerei. The reason I'm doing it is not because the Gemara means to say a, a new word on. The reason I'm doing it is just so that we can be together in the Gemara when we're reading. So and we'll, well, it'll be clear where, where we're coming from. So I'm a Ravina. Again, Ravina wants to come to answer this question. How could we make three drashas? Seemingly, we already need the two, two drashas, the Yatzachinam and the Inkosev, to teach me, you may Magris, you may Nairus, she goes through without Kasef. So how could I make a drasha, Yishkasev, Yishkasev, when you have? The Torah could have said on Kesef. So why did the Torah add the Yud in the word in Kesef? It comes along with the Gemara and says, in Kesef It added the Yud to Darshan, that there's no money to this guy. But there is Kesef, there's someone else. Who's that person? So it comes along with the Gemara and says, the answer, you're granted, it's true. We have three drashas. One drasha of Yatsachinam. What's Yatsachinam? What is that? Yemei Bagras. 
Ah, redundant, says in Kosif. Comes on the Gemara and says, it's coming to exclude. You may know us. Ah, how come it says, when it says, Yatachinam in Kosif, why does it say in as opposed to on? On could have conveyed the same message that there is no payment. Says the Gemara third rush, it says in as opposed to on to teach me. And that's the Gemara's conclusion. Now, ask the Gemara. Very good, you have these three drushas. But, where do we have a precedent that we can extrapolate, we can expand the fact that it was written in Kesef as opposed to on, on Kesef? Says the Gemara, the Tanya, was taught in Abraisa, Vizera in law. We don't have in a case. Of a Baskoin who is married, I'm sorry, of a Baskoin, yeah, who was married to Yisrael, and then she went ahead and her husband died. So the din is that if she has no children, Vizera in law, she has no children, then she reverts, she goes back to Besa Viha, to her father's house, and she is able to get a Chuma. But if she had a kid from this Yisrael, even if the husband died, since she has a kid from him, then she has that kid. Makes it impossible for her to go back to be severe. She can't go back to the status of being a Baskoin, and therefore she's always going to be also to be Truma. So it says the Gemara, the Tanya, Vizera Inla, was taught, the Chumash taught us, Vizera Inla, when she has no children, that's when she can go back to her father's house. That's only true when I know she doesn't have her own children. But how do I know that maybe if she has grandchildren, and her grandchildren, uh, even though she doesn't have her own children, she has grandchildren. So how do we know that's going to make her impossible to go back to her father's house? It's a zera inla. She doesn't have zera. So inla, inspect, investigate. If she has grandchildren, even there, that's no good. Yes, the gemoro That's only true when I know she has zera kasha. But zera pasul manayin. It's how do I know that zera pasul that if she had children offspring from a mom like a mamza or something like that that would also disable her from being able to go back to eating truma. It says she doesn't have zero, so Ainla investigate. Even if she has a puzzle, not just grandchildren, even their puzzle, then she'd go ahead and create a soul she can't go back to eating truma. Yes the Gamora Zara. You already de- derived that. You already made a drasha from the fact that it said Einla. You expounded on the extra yud to say Einla. Investigate. So how could you say that we're telling me Zara Apostle from Zara Einla? Maybe that's where we're deriving Zara Zara, grandchildren. Says the Gemara, no. Zara Zara, though, it's to To grandchildren, we don't know. We don't need a Pasuk to tell me that it negates her ability to go back to her father's house. Why? Because grandchildren are like children. And since grandchildren are tantamount to children, it's the same way the simple read of the Pasuk, that if she doesn't have children, so therefore, if she has children, I'm sorry, then she can't go back to eating her father's house. So grandchildren are different. So it says the Gemara then, Rather, what do we need? We needed the Pasuk to teach me that even their Apostle is going to negate her ability to go back and eating Truma. Now, what's that mean? That means that we have a whole brayse here, which we learn out two dinim. One din is that if a lady has children from a non 
priestly husband. So there, the din is, she can't revert to eating truma when her non-priestly husband passes away. Her offspring prevent that. Now, we can learn another halacha, that even if she has offspring that are not kosher in the yichus, there's that apostle that also prevents her from going back and eating from her father's house. Now, that being said, how do we learn out both dinim from the Pasuk Zerah Eila? So the Gemara says, the maskan of the Gemara is that grandchildren is Pashat. That's included within the basic read of the Pasuk. And the Zerah Eila, the fact that it's written Zerah Eila as opposed to Zerah Anla, the Zerah Eila is teaching me even Zerah Pasal. So we have an example now of a Braisa expounding a Pasuk that it makes a separate Rasha based off the fact that it says in with a yud as opposed to an without a yud. Yes, the Gemara Very good. You found me a brisa. But how did the author of the brisa know that he can make such a drasha? So Amri Ksiv, we have psukim. He said he would respond. We have psukim. What do you mean? Mein bilam that bilam bilam refrained from going ahead and going to Balak to give a prophecy. So mein we see is without a yud. Means he refrained. He held back. Mein yivmi. Or in the parasha of Yibum, if the husband, if the brother, I'm sorry, of the deceased husband doesn't want to do Yibum, he can do something called Chalitza. But the way the Pasuk says that, that the Yavam, the brother of the deceased, didn't want to do it was Me'in Yivmi. He, re- he refrained, he held back. And it's also that a Yud. So in both those contexts, says the Gemara, the Ksiv Yud. Both of them, it doesn't write Yud, the Hach Ksiv Yud. But here, it writes a Yud. Therefore, Shmaminala Joshua also. Therefore, it must be that the reason why here specifically it says Yud is to go ahead and make a drasha. And that's the end of this Gemara. So now what we have to do is investigate what's really what's going on here with this drasha of in kesef, un kesef. It seems funny that we're, you know, let's, we could talk frank, right? Like the fact that it says in kesef with a Yud, I'm saying, find, find Somewhere in the Chumash that it says in in Kesef, it says in ever with with without a yud. I'm saying even the two examples that the Gemara brought of Me'in Bilum and Me'in Yivmi, they're all talking about someone refraining from do something. It's not talking about having a lack of quantity of something. Whenever, as far as I you know, my Bekias in the Chumash Tanakh etc. telling me that any time it's expressed. Me'in, ain as, as a quantitatively that is lacking something, it's with a yud. So where is it that the Gemara is coming from to make such a drasha? So I brought for you here a Chachmah The Chachmah says as follows, V'teima is astonishing, Eich nilmud me'yud de'in kesef. How can we learn from the yud of the Pasuk, E'in kesef, that E'in kesef l'adonzeh, the drasha of E'in kesef l'adonzeh, velo inodimit belomid, the mighty maisi raiminei. Because there, there's no comparison to that which we're learning it from, right? What are we saying? And we're saying, in Kesef is saying, and now we're saying what? That in Kesef, that the Yud that we're expounding is incomparable to the second Joshua that we're making from the Pasuk. And right in other places, what do we darshan from the extra Yud? That if it says, in no. So then, Ayn Alav, go look. If a person regards the inheritance, we don't have a son. So, Dashin Nami Baba Basra, Ayn Alav, 
The fact that it says Einlil, we say Ayin Alav, go look, be investigate. And says that I shall, and this is the only time, the only way that we've ever found a drush of a yud. The fact that it says a yud, the Gemara has expounded Ayin Olav, but we never found any other expression of this, because the truth of the matter is, says the Marshal, that without a yud also it's a lashon ein. So therefore, there's nothing which is left to darshan, and therefore, really. The only way, says the Maharshal, that we can actually make this drush of Yotzachinam in Kosef and expound the Yud is only for the drush of Ayin Olav. Ayin Olav meaning to investigate, take it further, take the same thing and delve into it. Now, if that's true, we have to explain the drush of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Yotzachinam Eilamei Bagrus, in Kosef Eilamei Nairus. And the Yud is telling me a drush, a new drush. Of in kesef l'adon zav yish kesef l'adon acher, so it says the Marshal the Chacham Shleime. Okay, nearly. Therefore, it seems to me that Amud of the Fumriyato Kamar. The Gemara is just saying the drasha in a simple way. Aval anu yelfinun, but the truth of the matter is that we derive me on kesef from on kesef yemei bagrus. That teaches me yemei bagrus. She goes free without money. Umiyud de in kesef, and the fact that it says in kesef as opposed to on kesef, we expound that what does she nami ayin alel? Investigate this girl, take it deeper, take it further. Shebecholin yonim teitzei b'lo kesef, that she goes without money, without any kind of payment. Afilu beinayrus, even when she's a nayra. Vishtayel veyotzachinam, and therefore that pasuk of yotzachinam remains the meiduk. For us to derive from it, that pasuk is all new drasha that she goes out free from this guy, but not from someone else. But since just the expression of the Gemara of ein kesef and yotzachinam is opposed to darshning yud, it comes out clearer. Therefore, the Gemara just said it as a as a lishne ba'alma. So really, according to Marshal, we have three drashas. One drasha is a v'yotzachinam. V'yotzachinam is telling me, in kesef l'adon zeva yish kesef l'adon acher. Then we have another pasuk, on kesef. On kesef is telling me she goes free, may bagrus. And the fact that as a yud is ayin alel, like we found in other places, the ayin alel. That's telling me even may nairus. That's the Chachmah Shlem has approached this Gemara. So we have a unique din, in regards to any time it says ain, that the yud we can expound to say take it deeper, take it further, because at the end of the day we could have written on kesef. Since we wrote ain kesef, there the Gemara always is going to expound ain is telling me ain aleh. Fine. Comes along the marshal and says different. Says the marshal. We found in the aruch. The aruch is one of the Bali Tesfis. He wrote essentially a dictionary on the Talmud. And from that dictionary, you can derive a lot of different uh, dinim explanations of the Gemara, etc. The Balitesis quote the Aruch all the time. Ba'aruch be'erich on. The Aruch and the Erech on. Erech on is his citation of the word on, Piresh. He explained the word on. Midich siv kro on ein be'yud. Since the Torah wrote an ein with a yud, belok siv on, chaser below yud, and it didn't write on, lacking a yud. 
So normatively speaking, when we think of the word Ein, where the, it's converse, so we would say it's the contrast, I'm sorry, would be Yesh, right? Ein or Yesh, it's talking about there exists something, uh, there is or there's not. So here comes along the Oroch and it says it's not limited to that, it doesn't really mean that, it's not 100% accurate. Ein Kesef means it's affirming something, it's affirming something, reality. Ein, that there is, it, it's here, it exists. It's not just that there's a yesh, that it remains, but that he's affirming that it's actually here. And there, that's what the, the drush is coming from. So the fact that it says, un kesef, in kesef, that's not just saying that there is or there isn't, but it's even affirming its reality, its existence. That's how you can make a separate drush. They're actually two different words. That's the chiddush of the marashah based off the aruch. So we have two different approaches here, the chach and the marashah, that maybe there's a unique... There's a unique uh, expression here, a unique drasha, that any time it says Ein with a Yud, there Chazal of the right to Darshan Ein Alel, it's the Chach Mashleim's approach. The Marshal's approach, there, according to the Chach Mashleim, we're going to have to actually take the Gemara a little bit out of context. And the Gemara says the drasha is Vyot Sachinam, Yenami Bagras, Yenami Kosef, Yenami Nairus. It's not precise. The whole drasha is coming from Ein Kesef, the On Kesef and the Yud. And the separate drasha of Yish Kesef Lanon Zeme in Kesef Lanon Acher is going to from Yotzechinam. According to the Marshal, it's not true. The Gemara reads like it's simple reading. And there's actually two words on an Ain, and there's a slight nuance in a difference between the connotations uh, between the two words. That would, that's the two ways to go here. Now, I want to talk about this drasha of Zera Einla, even though it's tangential. I want to talk about it, I want to try to break into it, understand it, what's going on here conceptually. So, let's see Tosfus. Tosfus is talking about Zerah Pasal Menayin. Zerah Pasal Rashi said, Kigain Mamzer. So that means that this past Kohen had relations that she was, you know, with someone that she's Chayv Krisis for, um, if there was no Edom Asra. Um... So the simplest way is that she was married and she cheated in an adulterous relationship, which is a son with a brother, etc. That would create a mamzer. Um, so Sarashi learns that apostle means that even out of the context of wedlock, she has a kid. Um, that's going to go ahead now and prevent her from going back to Besavia. Now, Tisa says differently. Tisa says, Tisa is a kasha. Zer apostle menayin. How do I know that Zer apostle is going to go ahead and deter her from being able to, back to go back to her father's house to eat truma. So Omeri, the Ri says as follows, Zera Zara Puzzle Kalmar. When it says Zera Zara, right, the Gemara had two stages. First it said Zera Zara, Aina Lea, Zara Zara, grandchildren. There, when it says Zera Zara, that also meant Puzzle. How do you know? The Kevin Shenivala, the Puzzle, this is a kasha. This is kasha as follows. We know there's a halacha that if a lady has zera puzzle, let's talk for example, there's a girl and she has relations with a non-Jew. So there, if she has relations with a non-Jew, that negates her ability to marry a Kohen. Right? She's not able to marry a coin at that point. So now, if she was to have Zer Apostle, meaning to say she was going to have relations with an Anjou, or 
she was going to have relations with someone that would make her child a mamzer, that would create a psul in her. She's possible for a kuhuna automatically due to the relations themselves. So it says to Isis, the fact that she becomes possible the kuhuna, that she can't go back to her father's house, if that was talking about her own child, the fact we wouldn't need the existence of the child to prevent her ability to go back to eat in her father's house. Because by virtue of the fact that she did an action to create this child, she had these illegitimate relations. The illegitimate relations prevent her ability to eat truma even before the child's ever born. And therefore, it says to Isfis, it has to be that when we're talking about Zerah Pasal, it means that it's talking about a grandchild, Zerah Zara, who's Pasal. That, that's that's Tosa's question. And Hilkach, and therefore, since that's true, that we have this concept of Kevin Shendivulala Pasala, she's Pasala that if she has relations with someone who negates or defiles her, that negates her ability to have the kahuna. So it has to be that the Zerah Pasal, which we're discussing here, is like the flourish Zerah Pasal Mamish. It doesn't mean literally her offspring, it's literally her offspring should be puzzled from those relations. Rather, Ela Zerah Zara, it's talking about a grandchild. So if we're going to look at, according to Tesfis, what's this family tree look like? I want to refer to it in four different stages. Stage one is this lady's parents. She, had, This lady's father was a Kohen. He had a wife. So that's, that's stage number one of the family tree. Stage number two is that this they had a daughter. The daughter is the subject of our discussion. Whether or not she's able to go back to her father's house to eat truma. Now she, if she has to go back to her father's house to eat truma, she was married to Yisrael. And that's stage two. Stage two of the family tree is we have this daughter who's the Baskoi that was married to Yisrael. Now stage three of the family tree is that Baruch Hashem Mazel Tov, they had a daughter. That daughter had promiscuous relations. She had relations which are legitimate. And that leads to stage four of the family tree to a, a child who's a puzzle. That's going to be our family tree here. Now, comes along to this and says, it has to be that this lady who's in stage two of the family tree, the topic of our discussion, the Maskohin, is puzzle to go back to her father's house, not because of her daughter in stage three of the family tree. That daughter is had to be born from legitimate relations because if it wasn't she would the daughter who we're discussing in stage two of the family tree inherently would be puzzle. So it must be we're discussing the grandchild in stage four of the family tree. And that stage four in the family tree whose puzzle will go and reflect back even on the daughter of the Cohen in stage two, his his grandmother this, the the grand the grandchild who's apostle will disable his grandmother from going back to her father's house to eat truma when when she uh, when her husband passes away. That's just his explanation. Now, in order to understand this, we want to try to go ahead and now investigate this question. Now, comes along the Bulchanan. The says as follows. The Bulchanan says. Vikasha is difficult. This is difficult. Why is this is difficult? The Mishkachas Zera puzzle will they never the puzzle? We can have a circumstance of Zera puzzle of a child, an offspring who's illegitimate, even though there were no intimate relations. 
There's no relation to the psalm. How could we have that? He brings the Gemara Nivamas. The Gemara Nivamas talks about a case where if there was a man who was, you know, after having a seminal emission, went to wash the bathtub, and a lady came afterwards and washed in that same bathtub. So there's a concept that she can get pregnant from that uh, that bathing. And the man's the man's emission can somehow enter the lady and impregnate her. So what's that mean? That means that there's a concept here because being impregnated, even without relations, that could be for the same price. It could maybe be, you know, I don't want to get into it, the halachic aspects of it, but artificial insemination could be that same concept. It could be the same discussion. So we have a concept that you can have a pregnancy without illegitimate relationships. And since you can have a pregnancy without illegitimate relationships, if that child is a child of someone who would make him a puzzle, so we can have a reality of being a puzzle, even without having relationships which would puzzle her. So yes, Rav Al-Khanan, how could it be? How could it be then that Tosfos has to establish that we're discussing Zera Zoro? We're talking about a grandchild who's puzzle because if we're talking about the child itself, if we're talking about the child itself, there's no reality of becoming a puzzle without illegitimate relationships. Is that true? We have realities of becoming a puzzle without illegitimate relationships. And maybe that's why we could have learned that Zara Puzzle meant the daughter herself's child. We could have just had a stage two, the daughter of the, the Baskohin, who had a child through, you know, becoming a Sabah Batil. That could have been our case, as so to get into this discussion, I brought you here Chalkas Mechikik. Chalkas Mechikik is one of the commentaries. I mean, commentaries on Shulchan Aruch and the Chilik of Ebenah Ezer. And he says here, Yesh this topic, Yish Nesham Rebamatya, that if there's a doubt by a lady who became pregnant in a, in a bathtub, there was no act of, of intimacy which caused the pregnancy. If the father whose emission impregnated the lady fulfills Puravu through such a conception, and if he's called his son in regards to anything. So, in order to answer this question, he brought in the Yelkut of the Maharil. The Maharil was one of the Gdeli Apiskim in the Vishonim of Ashkenaz. He says, Ben Sira was the son of Yermia, Shirachat Ben Batya. That took a bath in a. That took a bath, and then his mother became pregnant from Yirmiya after that fact. So there, he was still referred to as Ben Sira. So according to the Chalkas Machikik, it seems that the father he's not really he's not related after the father whatsoever. The guy was called Ben Sira. He wasn't called Ben Yirmiyahu, and therefore he goes after the mother, not the father. So it seems like there's no continuation. There's no consideration for the father. When there was no Maisebiya which caused the pregnancy. Now, I brought you here also a Gemara Bukhurus. The Gemara Bukhurus says as follows Amir of Adabar Ava, Rav Ava says, who gave birth. Abbas Levi, I'm sorry, who gave birth. Her son's exempt from Pidina Ben. Pidina Ben, we know that the Son, the firstborn son of a couple, 
has to give five slayim to coin as a redemption. So here, since she's a Baslevi, Baslevi, she's Potter, um, the child she gives birth to is Potter from being a slayim. So that's the Gemara of Mimon. Under what circumstances are we saying an exemption here? When does this Baslevi Potter her son from Pedina Ben? If she gave birth from one someone a man from Shevet Levi, how come you have to say that the that the, the, the mother was a Bas Levi? Even if she was a Yisraelis, who's normatively chayiv in Pidina Ben, since the father was from Shevet Levi, Shevet Levi is exempt from Pidina Ben, so obviously going to be Pater. Rather, it must be that she gave birth from Yisrael. Yes, the Gemara, the Mishpuchim, the Mishpuchis, and the base of Yisam Ksiv. How could it be that we father the base of us? We found the base of us, and the father was Israel. So even if the mother is a Maslevi, yes, the Gemara, that he should still nonetheless be Chayvim Pidina Ben. So according to the Papa, it's looking at a case where she gave birth from an Ovid Kechavim. And since she gave birth from an Ovid Kechavim, so we see that, not what, that even if a non Jew who has relations with the Abbas Yisrael, the Vlad Yisrael for sure, because we have to exempt him from Pidina Ben. So we would have thought he was Chayvin Pidina Ben. We don't say it's true. We say he doesn't go after the Yuchsen, he doesn't go after the family relations of his father. Rather, he goes after his mother. And since she's a Maslevi, so she's connected from her family to the Shevet Levi, so her son's Potter from, from, from Pidina Ben. Because the son is related after her. And if that's true, we don't have, right, what would be the point of both these sources? If we have that the lady's son can be related back to her, it's not related back to the person, either in the case of, of Ben Siro, that when she got pregnant from an Batya, so it's not related back to the father, or in the case here, she became pregnant from a non-Jew. It's not related back to the father, it's related back to the mother. So then, one could propose that the reason we see then that that child, if it's related back to the mother, isn't called Zari Yisrael. It's not called Zari Yisrael, why not? Because the mother goes related back to the mother. The mother was a Bas Kohen. The mother is a Bas Kohen, and she's having a child now from someone who either she didn't have a child from someone whatsoever, she became pregnant without it, like Rabbi Khanan's case, or she became pregnant from someone who normally would passel her, like a non-Jew, but since he has no yuchs and it goes after the mother, so maybe those circumstances, it wouldn't be called Zayar Yisrael. If it's not called Zayar Yisrael, then it wouldn't passel her from Truba. So if that's true, maybe even if she was Nisabar Rabatya, and it was from a zero which normally would passel her, since we don't go based off of that lineage, we go based off the mother's lineage, maybe that kid would even be considered uh, from from Shevet, Shevet Kuno or Shevet Levi. And therefore, maybe the mother, even though she had that kid, could go back to eating Truma Bebisavia. That's maybe what these sources would present. And that's a possibility. Now, in order to go ahead and undermine that possibility, I brought for you here Reb Chaim. Reb Chaim pretty much wants to make... Um, a distinction. There's a distinction as follows. He wants to say that there's two different aspects, two different things that lineage could go ahead and provide. 
you could go ahead and the fact that I'm, let's say, from Shevet Levi could exempt me from certain obligations. So people usually have an obligation to redeem the firstborn child. Shevet Levi has an exemption from that. So one of the aspects of being from Shevet Levi is it can create exemptions from Chiyuvim. Shevet Levi is exempt from Pidyon That's one aspect. There's another aspect that it gives me positive rights. So if I'm from Shevet Levi, I'm a Kohen. So then the fact that I'm from that Shevet, I'm, I'm not just a Shevet Levi, but I'm a Kohen. Or even if I'm a Levi, right? If I'm a Kohen, I'm able to eat truma. It gave me a privilege as well. Or if I'm a Levi, I'm, a Levi, I'm allowed to take my sir. It gave me a privilege. It didn't just exempt me from something, but it actually actively gave me something. So now as follows. It says of Chayim, Avada for sure, when it comes to, let's say, a Levia, who exempts her son from Pidina Ben, even if she gave birth from an Anju. So it doesn't mean that we view the child as a bona fide Kohen. That were a bona fide levy that we don't see from the Gemara, right? That would be taking it an extra step. It could be that really there's no such thing called mishpacha sa'im. Mishpacha sa'im to give someone lineage based off the mother. We don't do that, like we said before. The mishpacha isam based off isam that everything goes after the father's house. That's the Gemara Pachorus. Rather, what can the mother's lineage do? The mother's lineage can go ahead and give those exemptions which are inherent to the Shevet, that since we have no other lineage here, and the mother's lineage, she's exempt, her lineage would tell her she's exempt from Pidina Ben, so she doesn't have to do Pidina Ben, but it doesn't mean that we go after the lineage of the mother. And if that's true, it could be that this kid is actually apostle. This kid's not a Kohen. He's apostle, and since he's apostle, that would negate the mother from being able to eat Shuma. And... And the reason why the mother would nonetheless be Potter from Pidina Ben, even though he's a Puzzle, he's not a Levi, he's not a, he's not a Kohen. The reason would be because we don't need to create a Mishpacha Sa'im. We don't have to create some kind of maternal lineage in order to give this exemption. But that she herself was never obligated in the first place, inasmuch as she comes from that Shevet. The exemptions don't need to be given over through the lineage. They're an outgrowth of the lineage that she came from. That's what Chaim said here that he brought to explain this concept. So according to Chaim, Avadah, they came to, to, to Rabbi Khanan's question, a lady became pregnant in Abatya, so she for sure can go back to Vesavia? I mean, for sure not, because in as much as it was Zerah Puzzle, even without a Maisab so that would be a problem. Now let's let's try to clarify this psul of what negates the ability of the masculine to go back to her father's house. Because that's really going to be the crux of our discussion here. So now let's talk about a case. Let's talk about a case where there's a guy named Ruvain. And Ruvain's Yisrael. Now Ruvain marries Sarah. Sarah's father is a Kohen. She's a Bas Kohen. And Ruvain and Sarah have a happy marriage. They have a daughter. Her name is Rivka. Rivka goes ahead and marries Shimon the Kohen. So now we have Rivka and Shimon who are happily married. Rivka is the daughter of Ruvain and Sarah. Ruvain is Yisrael. Sarah is a Bas Kohen. Because Sarah mar- married Ruvain, she can't eat Shum anymore. Now she has a daughter of Rivka. Rivka married a Kohen, Shimon. 
And now Shimon and Rivka can both eat truma because Rivka is married to Shimon. Now, Mazatov, Rivka and Shimon have a son, Levi. And Levi's also a coin because since Shimon's a coin, Levi's a coin. And Nebuch, after many years of happy lives together, Reuven passed away. So that means that Sarah, the Bas Kohen, has a daughter, Rivka, who's married to a Kohen, Shimon. And Rivka and Shimon eat Truma. They have a son, Levi. Levi also eats Truma. Everyone's eating Truma. Sarah's parents, Mr. Kohen and Mrs. Kohen, are also eating Truma. Is Sarah allowed to eat Truma? Everyone in the family is eating Truma. There's no Zerah Yisrael here. There's no one who's a Yisrael currently in her family. So is Sarah allowed to go back and eat Truma? Can she go back to Beisavia now that Ruvi and her husband died? The answer is absolutely not. There's no way in the world. Why not? Because since Ruvi and Sarah had a daughter named Rivka, and even though Rivka currently is eating Truma because her husband Shimon is a Kohen, nonetheless, since that daughter Rivka was given birth to from Ruvain, and Ruvain is a Yisrael. Rivka is Zera me Yisrael. It's a daughter from the Zera of Yisrael. And since Sora has current offspring, living offspring, who are from Yisrael, therefore that existence of Rivka in and of itself negates her ability to go ahead and eat Truma. So that means that the Psul isn't the fact that you have current Zera that's Yisrael right now. Rather, the pshat is that any time that you have zera from Klai Yisrael, nonetheless, it's going to negate your ability to go ahead and eat truma. So now, in order to explain Tosfos, where's Tosfos coming from? Tosfos says what say as follows: What are you trying to do? We're trying to say there's something called zera puzzle. Zera puzzle is going to negate this past coming from going back to eating a beisavia. Now, if this lady, this past coming, becomes pregnant by Batya, so then. Maybe the Zerah is never going to be possible. Why not? Because even if the Zerah was from someone who is possible, since we don't relate that Zerah back to the person, he doesn't have that soul that his father had. When it comes when she's in the Sabbath Bambatia, there's no Mishpachis in the base of Esau. She doesn't relate back to it. And therefore, since the child is not related back to the father, that doesn't create a psul, even if it does mean that he's a czar. He might not be a coin. He might not be a levy, even though the mother's a maskoin. But he's not a psul, because there's no biasisar. And since that's true, there's no psul, there's no biasisar. So that's where Tersis maybe is coming from. So that, on the other hand, is not so clear. Rabbi Shmuel says, the Levada, Nesabim Babatya, so then, is a son, the Koldabar, you know, took a bath, and then he had a son from that bath called Ben Sira. You can make a improve for that son. And therefore, according to that stance, then Avachanan's question stands. You can have a psul even with no BSSR. So, how can you have to make it to Zara You can make it even with Zara with no Mesabia. That would be the two ways to go here in the Gemara, in the in the thesis to answer up for Rabbi question. Now, just to wrap it up, I want to point out here. Just want to finish off the Gemara to the two dots. The Gemara to the two dots brings it at Tzvichasal. The Gemara says we have to say that the father is right. The Kedushin v'Tzvich the Michtal Meisir Delavio. 
And we have to say that the father is the right, the Messi Adayim. Why do we have to write both? Because of Achmano, Kedusha Leviel. If it only said that the Kedusha goes to the father, we would say that the reason why the father gets to keep the has the, the rights over the Maisa Kedushin is because she doesn't work for them. But when it comes to Maisa Adayim, that she works hard for them, I would say that she gets to keep them. Therefore, we need a Lima to tell me that no, even though she worked hard, nonetheless, it belongs to the father. But if it was going to teach me only the reason why the father is the right to the Maisiadaim is because he provides food for her, three sumptuous meals a day. And therefore, Vada, if he's providing food for his daughter, his daughter has to have front the bill, and therefore she has to work. When it comes to a Kedushin, it's not something which is expected, it's something which is a one time payment. Then, I would think that's not included in fronting the bill for the Mezaynas. So therefore, she would get to keep it. Therefore, I need another Pasuk to teach me that what? That the Kedushin also goes to the Father. Now, I'm going to ask a question, a partial question. Bishlam, according to Rashi, I understand how you can make a Tzvicha Sayyar. The Tzvicha says as follows. The Tzvicha is, the Father has monetary privileges. The Father has monetary rights, autonomy, dominion over two different things. He has one source that tells me he has monetary dominion over her Kedushin. There's another source that tells me we have monetary dominion over her Maisyadayim. He asks the Gemara, why do I need two sources to show me the father has monetary dominion over his daughter? If you told me one time that he has monetary dominion over his daughter, so then, very good. I know that he has monetary dominion. And I'll extrapolate that to other places as well. He has monetary dominion in regards to Kedushin. He has monetary dominion in regards to Maisyadayim. Pashat. But that only works within the context of Rashi, of Shittas Rashi. That the ability to be Makanish's daughter is an expression of monetary dominion. But according to Rashi, you say the principle of Kedushin is a Mechira of Eschosbiyah. It's a mechira of it's a sale of exclusive rights. So then, that's an expression of monetary dominion. And since that's an expression of monetary dominion, the fact that the Gemara needs to create a tzvichas here is actually quite logical. But let's ask a question the other way. If I learn the kedushin is not is not what is not a sale of exclusive rights, but rather it's a creation of a prohibition. So then, how could the Gemara make a tzrichasa? What do you mean tzrichasa? I need the source of Maisyadayim to tell me that the Father has monetary dominion over her. And I need the source of Kedushin to tell me that the Father can create Yisurim. Obviously, they're two different things. Just because I know he can has monetary dominion, doesn't know, I don't know he can create Yisurim. So what's the Gemara making a tzrichasa for? You can't make a tzrichasa for it. So this, I would ask, is a kasha on the Ra'ah and all that, those Rishonim that learn the Ran, right, that learn that Kedushin is creation of a Mesa Issa, how they learn this Srikhs of the Gemara. So, I don't think it's a, a Piyacha, I don't think it's a Kasha, I think it's something they have to be sensitive to. I think the answer is Pashat. And then the Gemara asks, the Menolun, Kesef Menolun, Vesu, Hatanan, Esav, Vizyakov, Bito, there's two different questions here. One question is, how do we know the father has the right to Makarish's daughter? And the other question is, how do we know who the address goes to? Who, who, who gets that money? That the money goes to the father? So it could be that the tzrichs of the Gemara here, according to the Ra'ah, 
isn't it Tzrichas? And how do we know the father could be Mekadosh? How do we know the father can demand Maisyadayim? But how do we know, maybe, that Tzrichas is, why do I need two Psukim to teach me that the father's the address for this money? The father's the address in regards to the Maisyadayim. And the father's the address in regards to the Kesav Kedushin. Not that he can be Mekadosh, not that he can sell her. That would be Rashi's approach. But that even though it's not the discussion, he creates the Isra. But to create the Isra, there had to be a transfer of money. They gave money, there was a Kinyin Kesef. Where did that Kinyin Kesef go to? Who gets that money? Ah, the father collects the bills. But I know the father collects the bills. I might say time. Why do I need both? That'd be the way to explain the Gemara according to the Ra'ah. Okay, Atzlacha Rabbah. Hopefully next week it won't sound like a uh, strangled frog. And uh, we'll be able to continue some of that.